Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. Grab your Bibles, Matthew chapter 28. Matthew 28. We'll start in verse 18. <clears throat> Matthew 28, 18. I'm reading from the New Living Translation today. To begin with, I'll read from some others here in just a minute. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Jesus said, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, because of the authority that he's been given, go make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I've given you and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Can you say amen to the word today? Father, I pray that you would open our hearts and minds today to hear what it is you're saying to us. Lord, I pray that uh, most importantly, we don't just hear it, we don't just understand it, but Lord, that we commit ourselves to doing what you tell us to do today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm not sure how many messages in the almost 11 years that I've been the, the lead pastor here have either started with or included this passage from Matthew 28. Uh, it's been a bunch. The, the official count is a bunch. Uh, and if the Lord tarries and, and blesses me to continue to live and pastor this church, I plan for it to be a whole bunch more. Why is that? Because this is the reason we're here. What we just read is the reason we're here. It's called the Great Commission. It was Jesus' marching orders for those who would follow him. And I've said this many, many times, and I'm going to say this one more time today. This is the mission of, of, of this and every other Bible-believing, Jesus-following church. This is what we're supposed to be doing, going and making disciples. So today I want to start a brand new series called On Mission. On Mission. I believe it's going to be a pivotal series in your life and in the future of this church as we start to unpack it, as we start to hear what God's saying to us, and as we start to surrender to what he's doing inside of us. So today's message is called Missionary Work. Missionary Work. Now the Lord laid the content of this message on my heart. I knew what I was supposed to say, but I didn't have the context for it. Um, a seemingly random conversation with an old friend of mine this week brought it together for me. So uh, I want to start with this. Let me ask you a real quick question. How many of you have ever been on uh, a missions trip? Could be inside the U.S. or outside the U.S. Wow, that's a bunch. Yay, cool. Uh, how many of you know, at, at least know somebody or have heard someone speak who have been on a mission trip? That's pretty much everybody, except for the people who don't commit to anything. All right? I appreciate that. So Valerie and I, along with our oldest daughter, Morgan, uh, went on a missions trip to Honduras two spring breaks in a row. 
in 2014, 2015. And I think I can speak for the three of us saying it was life-changing for us. So we delivered medical supplies to hospitals. We held babies. We prayed with sick people. Uh, we made a few hundred food bags, just beans and rice, and, and delivered them to families who were living in extreme poverty and in areas that were extremely difficult to get to. We built uh, homes for people, 16 by 20 homes for people who had been living in houses that were mostly constructed of cardboard, plastic, and sometimes a few shipping pallets. We planted trees in rock-hard soil in remote villages to give them a sustainable source of food for generations to come. We took food and water to people who lived at the city's landfill. We ran a soup kitchen for a day. We took school supplies to kids at a local school, and then we cleaned and painted walls at another school. You talk to anybody who's ever been on a missions trip, and their itinerary is pretty similar to the activities that I just told you about, right? Um, and if you ask them, they'll tell you that it was so fulfilling because it was just a whole week full of ministry, right? You forget about everything else, and it's just a whole week full of ministry. So here's my question. Did you hear the list of activities that we did? How many of those activities that I just listed included preaching the gospel? How many of those involved singing worship songs? How many of those were about making children sit down in a room and teach them a Jesus lesson? So here's the real question. Why are all the things we did in Honduras considered ministry... But the only way to minister here is to preach, teach, and sing. I want to challenge your assumptions today about ministry. If the mission is to go make disciples, then any work towards that mission should be considered missionary work. Right? And if it qualifies as missionary work in a foreign country or an impoverished area here in the U.S., then it should qualify as missionary work on the street where you live. And if it's ministry over there, it should be ministry over here. And if we're doing that stuff, if doing that stuff over there makes you a missionary, then, then why did we stop doing it when we came home? Why aren't we still doing missionary work? Here's a really familiar passage of Scripture. And we're going to get all over this passage uh, during this series. But, but here's where I want to start. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. This is in the New King James Version. <clears throat> and he, Jesus himself, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. People call that the five-fold ministry. Um, verse 12 says, For the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, I use that version because it's familiar to most people who've been in church for very long and because it's going to help us understand something really foundational. I'm sure most of you have heard a pastor teach or preach from this passage and say that the, the work of the church leaders, the pastors, the teachers, all the others who, who make up the leadership of the church, is not so much to do the work of the ministry as it is to equip those who follow Jesus to do the work of the ministry. Right? You've, you've probably heard that, and if you haven't, then you just did about 10 seconds ago. 
All right, that's, that's correct. And that's what it says right there in that passage. The pastors, the teachers, the other five-fold ministry folks should be focused on um, multiplying ministry through the people of the church, through the body of Christ. All right? In the American church, though, we've made ministry a profession that should only be attempted by professionals. And the problem, with, well, there's a lot of problems with that, but it's just not biblical. And it's not a sustainable structure for the expansion of the kingdom of God. But one of the keys, I think, in seeing churches structured the way they're supposed to be is understanding, first of all, what ministry really is. If I, as your pastor, am to equip you for the work of the ministry, what does that even mean? What is ministry? I, so I could inspire you and excite you about running out and doing the work of the ministry. The problem is, once you get out the door, you're going to say, yeah, but what's that mean? What, what's ministry mean? So that's what we're going to do today. When you read the other, the other versions, the other translations of that passage, a lot of times they'll say something like, to prepare the saints for acts of service. Now, that sounds different than equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Why would it say it that way? And, and listen, this is, the whole, this is the whole message right here. So if you're thinking about checking out, don't check out until I say this. It's, this is the whole deal right here. Because the word ministry means service. The definition of the word is service. Serve, relieve, aid, attend or attend to. Those are the ideas. Those are all the, the nuances of the word that's translated minister in the Bible, or at least in the King James, the New King James. And it occurs 34 other times. So you can't excuse it away as some sort of fluke. You can't really wiggle out of this trying to use definitions and stuff, right? To minister literally means to serve. So all of the ways that people serve on a mission field those are legitimately forms of ministry. And guess what? They are here too. They are here too. We hear ministry in the, in the American church and we think leadership. And we think titles and we think importance. We think rank and office and privilege. That's not ministry. Ministry is service. It's service. If you're too qualified to serve, then you ain't qualified to lead. If a broom don't fit in your hand because you're too important, then you need to put the broom and the ministry down because you ain't ready yet. All right? If you're too holy to serve, you ain't holy enough to minister in any other capacity. In the act of serving, the emphasis is on the one who is being served, not on the one who's doing the serving. Ministry is not a microphone, it's not a megaphone, it's not a pulpit, it's not a podium, it's not, a sub, it's not about a social media platform or how many followers you can get for yourself. From the life of Jesus, ministry is a towel washing the disciples' feet. Ministry is standing up for an adulterous woman who was caught in the act but was unfairly entrapped. Ministry is feeding a crowd of people who didn't think to pack a lunch. Ministry is turning water into wine because the host of the wedding feast didn't plan well enough. 
Ministry is Elijah asking God to keep the flour and the oil in the widow's kitchen. Ministry is Daniel helping a heathen king find peace of mind by interpreting his dreams. Ministry is the good Samaritan picking up a person who probably would hate him if he opened his eyes, but picked up the perfect stranger, dressed his wounds, put him up in a hotel on his expense until the guy was able to take care of himself. In the Roman Empire, what made them stop executing Christians like Peter and Paul and become a Christian empire wasn't a better sermon, a catchy song, or a compromised theology. It was the fact that when the pandemics and the plagues hit, the Christians cared for the sick and buried the dead. The, quit, the Christians went running into the cities where everybody else was running out. I'm just trying to tell you today that the time for excuses is over. I'm just trying to tell you that it's time to get on mission. I'm trying to tell you that today you don't have to teach or preach or sing, but if you know how to help somebody, if you know how to serve somebody, then you're in ministry. Congratulations. Right? You can do ministry work, not just overseas, but every place you go. I want to remind you of something, though. And I already alluded to it, but serving others is only an act of ministry when it's about the other person. When, when what you're doing is about you or about what you get out of it, it ceases to be ministry. It's not ministry. Now it's manipulation. Because you're using somebody else to get what you want and they don't know about it. If everybody's in on it, then it's not manipulation. But if they think you're doing one thing and you're actually doing another thing, you're getting manipulated. You're presenting yourself as spiritual, but it's really about you getting some sort of carnal outcome for yourself. Look what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew 6 and verse 1. He said, watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others because you're going to lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to someone in need, Jesus said, don't do it as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and the streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth, they've already received all the reward they'll ever get. Verse 3, but when you give to somebody in need, don't, left, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. By the way, that is anatomically impossible. He's just emphasizing a point. He said, give your gifts in private, and your Father who sees everything will reward you. Jesus goes on to say in that passage, the same standard applies when you fast, when you pray. Giving, praying, fasting, all those are good things. All those are spiritual things in and of themselves. But if you do it in a way that only gets you glory and only gets you honor and recognition, then you are no longer serving Jesus. Now you're serving yourself. So let me put it this way. Ministry doesn't just serve a purpose. It serves a person. Ministry doesn't just serve a purpose. It serves a person. And the person... I'm just going to throw all grammar to the wind. The person, the person ain't you. 
It can't be the person who's doing the ministering. That's self-serving, not others serving. And that's not ministry. So don't go start a church just because you like to preach. Okay? That's serving your need, not their need. You just like to hear yourself talk. Start a podcast. (laughs) But please don't call what you want to do to these people ministry. Because it's not about them. It's about you. Who are you trying to serve? Don't, and I don't just pick on preachers today. Don't go start, don't go start in a grass cutting ministry just because you like to cut grass. Who are you serving? Like just ride around in your yard. Right? Just cut it like every other day. It's cool. Go do that. But who are you serving? Like, show me the person. You tell me you're involved in ministry. To whom are you ministering? Show me the person. As a matter of fact, I would suggest that you don't go start a ministry in the first place. You're like, John, you're like the worst pastor ever. You, You just told us God wants us to do the work of the ministry Yes, go do the work of the ministry. He didn't say go start an organization. He didn't say go to an attorney and get a 501c3. He said go help people. Just go help them. Go serve them. Go love people. That's ministry. And if you help enough people that you need help helping people, then maybe you should invite others to join you and maybe it becomes an organization. But if you start out to be some big thing, you're probably already on the wrong track. Just help people. Don't look for a cause to champion. Look for a person to help. Don't look for a purpose. Look for a person. Because this, I, I believe this is true. If you find the person, you'll find the purpose. If you find the person, you'll find the purpose. Let me give you an example. Let's say you feel called to minister to the homeless, which is great. Homeless people need ministry. Before you go create a homeless ministry, go talk to a homeless person. Like go meet one, like live and in person. Go find out what they need. As a matter of fact, don't just, don't just go like take, do research. Go help them. Your purpose will take shape after you find the person you're supposed to help. Find the person, and you'll find the purpose. You say, okay, I met a homeless person, like that one. I met a homeless person, and and he didn't know Jesus. So I'm going to go and stand on the street corner around some homeless people, and I'm going to preach to them and hand out tracts about salvation. You could do that. Here's the problem. The person you're trying to reach, the person you are serving in your ministry, is homeless. They're not looking for salvation. They don't care about salvation. They're looking for a safe place to sleep, something to eat. Every day, if they are fortunate enough to wake up, that's what's on their minds. Food, clothing, shelter, security. If you give them that, they might be able to hear you talk to them about salvation. So you have to decide, were you called to preach at homeless people or were you called to minister to them? Because that ain't the same thing. 
Everybody okay? If you want to minister, then you've got to serve their needs first. That's why missionaries do so much groundwork before they ever try to go share the gospel. They are ministering to the, to the person's needs. They're building trust. Trust, they're building relationships. Once, they're, once the person is in a more stable situation, then they can entertain thoughts of eternity. But I'm telling you, these folks that are living on the street, they're not worried about eternity in hell. As far as they're concerned, they already started. Ministry doesn't just serve a purpose. It serves a person. That's why there's a difference in a sermon designed to help the person in the pew or the chairs versus a sermon that's a way for a preacher to get something off his chest. And if you've been in church for very long, you know the difference. Right? We've established that there's a whole lot of things that meet the the definition of ministry that is not preaching, teaching, and singing. Right? Unfortunately, there's also some preaching, teaching, and singing that don't meet the definition of ministry. Okay? Find the person it's intended to help, and then you'll know whether it's ministry or not. See, we've got to get on mission. We've got to get busy with the missionary work that's right in front of us. Serving others and loving others. Being kind to others. This is important because if, if, if ministry is about helping people, then anything that helps people can be ministry. So the possibilities for ministry is only limited by the ways that people need help. And I don't think we'd ever get to the end of that list if we started making it. This past Saturday, not yesterday, but the week before, was an incredible day of ministry here as probably 50 or more people came together to help us demo the old platform in, the, in what used to be our sanctuary, in the kids' sanctuary now, and help to get it ready from, for the growth and the change that needs to happen up there. Other than saying the blessing over the food, there was not a whole lot of what might be considered spiritual stuff going on. A whole lot of laughing, a whole lot of grunting, a <laughs> whole lot of, oh, Lord, I'm going to be sore in the morning kind of things going on. Whole, whole lot of taking out frustrations on innocent plywood. Um, whole lot of good-natured insults about getting old. And but uh, no, I don't. I didn't see anybody reading any scriptures. But I can tell you this: the day ministered to Caitlin. The day ministered to me. The day ministered to that team of individuals who's up there on that hill every Sunday. You saw what it was like last week. Y'all sent your kids back up there today, happy to do it, didn't you? Administer to them. All that, all that, and, and it will minister to every child who has ever served and helped by the kids' ministry of this church. And all of that serving and helping and hammering and destroying that we did last week was just as much ministry as what I'm doing right now. And just as much ministry as the lessons and the songs that's going on in that room. It's missionary work. Y'all, it's on mission work. And listen, the best missionary work isn't even what happens on this campus or even under the banner of this church. You've got chances to serve and minister every day to people and in places that this church doesn't have access to. 
Ministry doesn't just serve a purpose. It serves a person. So just go find a person to serve. You say, but how does that advance the kingdom of God? Well, first of all, it's what he told us to do. It's what he commanded. Didn't Jesus say, love God and love others? It is impossible to love somebody and not help them in their time of need. It's just not possible. If you can do that, you didn't love them. Secondly, it's what the word commands. Ephesians said everybody who follows Jesus is supposed to get equipped to do the work of the ministry, which, is, which are acts of service. It must be effective for the kingdom or the king wouldn't have commanded us to do it. The book of James also says that your religious faith and all of your flowing words is no good to somebody who's cold and hungry unless you feed them and clothe them. They see your faith by your works. And if your faith doesn't lead you to works, then it wasn't faith in the first place. It was a cop-out. And then third, what, what good does it do to go help people and serve people and love people? Well, it helps to rewrite the perception of people who call themselves Christians, but who are actually just religious jerks. And you know exactly what I'm talking about because you just got a picture of somebody in your mind. Just a jerk to everybody they come across. And then they want to witness to them and tell them about the Lord. Y'all know I'm right. Right? Let me, tell you, let me tell you a secret. The world wants nothing to do with whatever made you so miserable. So just keep all that to yourself. You miserable and you a Christian, like keep all that Christianity to yourself because I don't want none of that. Right? What changes their perception of Christianity and, and ultimately of Christ is when a believer stops to help them. When a believer stops to listen to what they're saying. It, it, when a believer stops to serve them. When a believer goes out of their way to be nice to them and encouraging to them. That's when the script starts getting flipped. That's when the conversation starts to change. And the perception and the openness to the gospel starts to change. But it has to start with us in ministry. It's not hard for me to imagine the testimonies of people who come to Christ and they say, well, it started with this guy who stopped to help me on the side of the road. It, or, or, hey, uh, I know this lady, when she saw me uh, struggling at work, she took the time to teach me instead of criticize me. And that began a relationship that led me to Christ. Or when this teenage boy came and asked if he could cut my grass every week, I hadn't felt loved or cared for or even seen or heard since my husband died. Right? Ministry. Ministry. You don't have to preach them a message. You don't have to sing them a song. You don't have to teach them a lesson. Listen, you are the lesson. Your life is the message. Your service, your love is the song. It is the melody. It is the harmony. They will see your good work. And then do what? Glorify the Father. As a matter of fact, if you're, if, if you're saved, you were made for this. You were made for this. 
Look at, look at what Jesus said in John 17, verse 4. This is in the King James. He, this is the last, his last night on earth. He's about to be arrested in the garden and then put on trial and crucified. Within, with, with less than 24 hours, he'll be, he'll be buried. And he's praying. And he said, he said, Father, I've glorified you on the earth. I have finished, look, I have finished the work which you gave me to do. The work. Jesus referred to what he did on this earth as work. Does anybody doubt that what Jesus did on this earth was ministry? Right? He was talking about the ministry that he did to people. Now I want to show you uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. I read this last week. We are his workmanship. Last week in that translation it said we're his masterpiece. All right? Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has ordained, but has before ordained that we should walk in. It's the same word, y'all. It's the same word, work. We are saved, we are recreated in order to do the work of the ministry. And what is the ministry? What are the good works that we can do that God gets glory from? Serving people, helping people, loving people, being kind to people. Not just a purpose, a person. So ask yourself today, What can I do to help somebody? What can I do to serve? I've heard people say, well, and we're going to talk more about this next week, but I've heard people say, well, I don't don't know. I don't know what I could possibly do for ministry. I, I I can't really do anything. If that's true, then God's a liar. If you're worthless to ministry, God's a liar. Who's right? You or God? Let me give you a hint. Go with, go with God. I want to show you this verse to, to show you what I'm talking about. This is from Ephesians chapter 4, 2. We're going, we're going to get to this next week. But it says, He, Jesus, has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. God gave everybody a gift. Something that they can do Something they can use to help people. You mean tell me you're the only one that got left out? Most people overthink it. Most people are cool to the idea of ministry. They really just can't wrap their brains around what they could possibly do because the idea of standing on a platform and speaking to a couple hundred people just terrifies them. Right? Most people overthink it. Stop making it so super spiritual because nobody thinks they're super spiritual. Stop trying to scale it to be some big thing. Find a person and you'll find your purpose. Go help somebody. Go help one person this week and carry the love of Christ with you. You Listen, you might be bug-eyed, all crazy because you hadn't done it. Just go help somebody. When you need help, you don't care if they look crazy. You just need help. Go help somebody and let the love of Christ come out of you and into them. Don't be mad about it. Don't like, well, my preacher said I got to help somebody this week, so you're it. (laughs) Just walk away. Just walk away because that ain't going to go good. I'm just telling you now. All right? Please don't mention my name, as as a matter of fact. It's, It's ministry. It's the work of the ministry. It's a continuation 
of what Jesus did on the earth. What's the mission? Go make disciples. Well, the only, only kind of people, the only disciples you can make are people. So you've got to start with people. You do that one person, that one relationship, that one act of service at a time. It's time to get on mission and start doing missionary work right here and right now. No, I'm not asking you to stay and move chairs. I promise I'm not up to anything. I just want to challenge you today. I want to challenge you. I believe we have been given as a body, as a church, we have an incredible opportunity right now in the history of this church that we can't promise will ever come around again. We have a chance to make an impact on our communities wherever we live. And the footprint of Covenant Life is pretty big. We got folks that drive from Cartersville. We got folks that drive from Clem. We got folks who drive from Bowden, all over the place. All right? The footprint's pretty big. I'm not going to all those places. You are. I live in Buchanan. All right? Y'all live all over the place. But we have an opportunity to make an impact on the communities that we live in if we will get on mission. Okay? And it's a spiritual opportunity that is a blessing. It's also a privilege and a responsibility. Y'all stand with me. Here's what's going to happen. If you take this seriously, first of all, did I preach out of the Bible today? Is this the word? Okay, so don't blame none of this on me. This is all God, all right? So it, if here's what's going to happen if you take the Word of God seriously. You're going to go out to eat today, and you're going to have a waitress who looks like she's been there for 18 hours, and they've only been open for like a tower. And she's frazzled, and your tea glass done got empty twice, and your food's taking too long. And you're going to have an opportunity to be Christ or to be a jerk like everybody else. Or you're going to go to work tomorrow and that, that one guy that gets on your nerves. You have people that just to hear them talk gets on your nerves. Okay? Yeah, I don't. I, I don't know what you're talking I just guessed that. Um, God's going to show you something that they need in their life. And I'm not talking about need a sermon. I'm talking about there's something they, that's going on in their life, and he's going to use you to provide it. It might be a listening ear. It might be a pat on the back. Ain't no telling. When you take this seriously, if you will ask the Holy Spirit to open your eyes to the needs that are around you, <laughs> he will. And I want to tell you now, ministry is inconvenient. Ministry is sometimes expensive. Ministry will cost you way more than you thought it was going to cost you. But I'm telling you, it's the only way, if you're a follower of Jesus, it's the only way to live a life that's pleasing to Him and that impacts the kingdom of God. All right? So we're going to, we're, I'm going to pray. The altar's open. It's always open. They're going to sing a song. You're welcome to come and pray. 
uh, about it. Some of you may already know exactly who and what. And you're like, oh, God, I need help. Like, come on down and we will ask him. For reals. All right? Or you might have any other thing, all kinds of things going on in your life. It might be a sickness, a need in your body. It might be a mental health struggle. It might be a job uh, opportunity that you have that you need to pray about. Whatever's going on, you can always come and pray about anything. All right? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that we all get invited into this thing we call ministry. And I pray, Lord, that you help us to be faithful to it. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would open up our eyes to the people around us and to the needs that they have and show us how we can meet those needs. Show us how we can speak into people's lives, how we can be the hands and feet of Jesus in the world in which we live. And I pray that you empower us with your love through your Holy Spirit. Lord, every other need that's going on in people's lives, if, if you want them to come to this altar today, I pray that you would draw them here and we know, Lord, that you will meet them in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. And give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.